Welcome to the Gals Guide to the Galaxy podcast, where a group of gals gather for you one cool thing around our topic of the month. Is it ancient history? Is it breaking news? Is it safe for work? Well, that's up to each gal. All we know is that... Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Welcome back. I am Leah, and I am joined by Bonnie and Katie, and we are talking about our one cool uh, filmmaking gal. But before we dive back in, I am going to tell you what's up on the Gals Guide calendar for this week. So week three, uh, for the week of September 19th through the 25th, weirdly, we don't have anything on our calendar for this week. Um, mostly it's because of the early film club, the third week in, um, in the month. So how about this? Come into the library anyway. Check out our awesome book display. We have a great collection of female filmmakers and also fab biographies about your favorite actresses in movies as well. There's always something new to learn at Gals Guide Library. So visit the website. Come on in. That's the calendar event for this week. We'll make our own fun. Exactly. Make your own fun. The library has tons of fun to be had, right? (laughs) Always. Exactly. So I do have a random get to know you question for you ladies. So I want to know what is your favorite movie that you can only watch a few times because you want it to feel brand new every time you watch it? You know, I don't watch too many movies over again. Uh I'm not as big a movie buff as you are. It's rare for me to want to watch one again, over again. But one that's always stuck with me is The Departed. I don't know what it is about Mm -hmm. The Departed, but like every couple years I can sit through it again and like it just feels brand new and I'm into it. Nice. That's so a good, it say, passes both the, you actually want to watch it again, which is a rarity yeah. for you, and it feels new again. That's true. I, I have to share on the other side of the coin, I've been banned from watching movies when I was younger, because you know, when we're younger, we all just watch the same thing over and over and over again. We're trying to uh, digest it, yeah. Absolutely. Apparently, uh, my mom's story is that she had to ban me every, so often from watching Annie because I would start acting like a brat she said but that's so so I'd be like watching because, Annie right oh my gosh, that's who Bonnie was just talking about <laughs> yeah the editor of Annie oh but I would yeah I would watch Annie and then like start being a smart aleck and being mean and sassy to my parents and then I'd get banned from watching Annie wouldn't it be funny if they threatened that you will become a real orphan if you keep that up? Because that would be like, you mean my dreams can come true and I can go see Daddy Warbucks? <laughs> I was just dreaming of a better life. Oof. <laughs> Hope I said that. Ironic. I do, yeah. I do love that. <laughs> what about you, Bonnie? I don't, think that, I don't really... That's not like a thing for me. Am I that I weird? I don't have a thing where things <laughs> new like I will get into a thing every time it's on like like I will watch things over and over again but I don't feel like I have to watch things over again gotcha like like if someone gets me started I can quote you the holy grail like all the way through Monty Python yes like, mm-hmm. the whole way and like if it's on I'll watch it I don't mm-hmm. I don't feel the need that I have to watch it all the time but like sure that is totally fair yeah didn't realize how weird I was. 
This is why I love you too. <laughs> I definitely want to know what your answer is. Maybe I'm my, missing out on something. My answer is because uh, when I was a filmmaker, the, the go-to question is, well, what's your favorite movie? And I would always say I have two different answers. A movie I can watch over and over and over again and never get sick of. Mm-hmm. Like it's on, I'm watching it. Like a, you know, holy grail kind of situation. But then I also had a list of movies that I did not watch that often because I needed them to feel fresh and new. I needed to watch it and be like, oh my God, that's a great line. Or holy cow, how did they put that together story-wise? Like I needed to forget how good it was to be able to appreciate the good. Um, And my all time for that is Casablanca because I will watch Casablanca maybe, maybe for three to four years. And every time I'm like, how did this magic happen? Because the, and I don't think I'm the first one to ever say it. Somebody said, the screenwriters, because there was two of them, they were a brother, they, brothers, they must have been on some kind of magic crack when they wrote this movie because it shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And they were writing it the night before filming it. They didn't have an ending to Casablanca when they started filming it because oh they gosh. didn't know if America was going to get into the war. Mm. So they didn't even know, like this whole story should never have worked. All of the lines shouldn't have worked. The romance should have been too complicated. But for some odd reason, it's magical. <laughs> and even to... if you kind of don't know the whole cluster that was happening behind the scenes, just the way that it unfolds, like, surprises you if you forget. <laughs> well, the next time you're in the mood to watch it, you're going to have to invite me over because I've never seen it. It's so good. Okay, we should have a viewing party because I can tell you like they filmed this the last day or this didn't like or Ingrid Bergman had the flu this day or Humphrey Bogart just totally made up that line. I mean, there's so little nuances that are just like it does not happen. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. All right. Well, that does not at all lead into my gal. But at the same time, I just, uh, I love a good, a good uh, weird movie geeky knowledge thing to talk about. Okay, so yeah. for my gal, strap in, because I'm going to say at the top of all of this that I'm not going to talk as much about my gal in the sense of a biography, but more about what she means to me. So that's the the fairness where it's kind of like you know the you know we don't always focus on the hard like names and dates and stuff like that and time is short and you know with this podcast it's very hard to talk about a whole life anyway and we always tell our guests this isn't a thesis statement type show right we don't have to cover every little bit about it we just want people to get an idea of a cool gal so they can go learn more right yeah we're sharing Um, our excitement Right, exactly. But I love details and I love like totally obsessing and I'm not doing that this time. So I kind of feel like, what am I doing? (laughs) So today I'm going to talk about a gal that I miss, that I adore, and a gal who changed my life. And it's Penny Marshall. Freaking love Penny Marshall. Um, I also guess I kind of have to start by saying I didn't really watch a whole bunch of Laverne and Shirley, which is what she is most famous for. She was Laverne, the L in Laverne and Shirley. Um, I did watch more episodes of Happy Days. (laughs) 
uh happy days she uh showed up to her and uh her laverne and shirley showed up on happy days and then they got a spin-off show of laverne and shirley so i did watch more of happy days i kind of wanted to be the fonz even though i knew i was richie cunningham we all want to be fonzie we're not Fonzie. We're Richie oh. Cunningham. <laughs> um, but I also knew, like, by heart, the Laverne and Shirley song. The one, two, or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Shamil, Shamazel, House of Vestal Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Although I think I've sung it wrong my entire life, and I think it's on purpose. <laughs> I just kind of blend together the Haas and Pfeffer Incorporated into And I think that gets it done. <laughs> um. But I will say that I probably never really saw Penny Marshall, like saw her as a human being, saw her as Penny until 1992. Now, granted, in 1992, I was 15 years old. But this isn't fair for any 15-year-old because I was obsessed with movies at 15. Um, This was the prime time of me being at the theater every week and watching a new release. This was me renting five videotapes, which was the maximum amount at Blockbuster. (laughs) And this was me going and getting the maximum amount of books at my library about movies. So I should have seen her. (laughs) I should have known who Penny Marshall was way before 1992. Um, But for some odd reason, I didn't see her. I didn't acknowledge her as a filmmaker until then. Um, I knew her voice because she has a very very distinguished voice that is kind of Brooklyn (laughs) that is kind of a thick Jewish accent and then also just something that is just Penny Marshall like she has a little something something that is uniquely her um I knew her face I knew she was from Laverne and Shirley but I actually knew more about her brother do you guys know Gary Marshall the film director Gary Marshall no he directed uh Overboard he did Pretty Woman um he did a lot of interviews he's also in every single one of penny's movies too (laughs) um so i knew gary marshall by name and by list of everything he had done um i also thought he was damn funny too um but before i really saw penny this is the best way to describe it saw her as an acknowledged name to face to career i had already seen the movie jumping jack flash the whoopi goldberg movie um, Big with Tom Hanks. These are all films that she directed. Um, and Awakenings with Robin Williams and Robert De Niro. These are all before 1992. The major box office movies. She actually was the first woman to direct a movie that grossed over $100 million that was directed by a woman. And yet, I didn't know her. <laughs> Very weird. Um, So for some odd reason, her name was kind of like invisible to me, which is really weird. Because again, I'm memorizing actors and directors at this point because I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, So you want to hear about the day it happened when I finally saw Penny's name? Yeah. Okay. So I'm applying for a summer intensive program. Um, And I'm not even kidding you. This program took place at Madonna University. Catholic yeah. school, not the one by the singer. <laughs> that totally changed what I was imagining. It was still in Detroit, though, which is where Madonna's from. 
I did get a, a sweatshirt that said Madonna University because I had to have that because I just I'm like going is it a real yeah. place and it really was <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm doing a summer intensive program and it's for film production this program was to actually work with film it was to work with video it was to work on an actual music video that would show on MTV and it was to make a documentary about our life and stuff at the uh, at the intensive so it was a real hands-on opportunity to really get to know how to make movies, how to make film and all that stuff. So when I was interviewed for this program, they asked me uh, who my role models were. And I said, Charlie Chaplin, Steven Spielberg, Frank Capra, and George Lucas. And I don't know if it was their face or suddenly me saying all men's names (laughs) that I kind of went, I didn't mention anybody who looked like me, anybody who was female. Mm -hmm. And I started to actually kind of wonder if I was even in the same ballpark as the people I mentioned. Because the people that I mentioned, I mean, they were pioneers of their industry. They had a lot of power. They had a lot of control. They produced things. They directed things. They wrote things. I started to wonder whether or not I would ever have that kind of power and whether I'd ever be able to really kind of hold a candle to, you know, who I was talking about. Like, am I really going to be able to like fit in with what they do? Um, so let's just say I'm shame spiraling. <laughs> like you do. And then uh, Entertainment Tonight, which was kind of my TV Bible, if you will. Uh, whoever was on Entertainment Tonight, whoever was being interviewed was like the coolest person in the world to me. Again, I'm 15. <laughs> So on Entertainment Tonight, there was not only a special about a league of their own, but there was interviews with Penny Marshall. And so they showed on-set footage of Penny directing Madonna. So now this is big because, you know, I did get into Madonna University for that program, got the sweatshirt, right? Uh, But also I actually watched Desperately Seeking Susan. It's horrible. I watched Shanghai Surprise, even worse. And Who's That Girl is the stupidest premise ever created. So I watched all of Madonna's movies and they were horrible. (laughs) But I was a fan. Um, And then also um, I saw Madonna was listening to Penny. The two of them were like coming up with ideas and they were sharing like, could I do this? Would this work? Would that, you know what I mean? Like it was an actual like back and forth. And that is something you don't really see with directors. Directors, you see pointing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you see stand there, go there, do the line again. Like you don't see this collaboration. Then they showed Penny directing Tom Hanks. And I watched Bosom Buddies. (laughs) And I also was there for opening weekend when Splash came out. I had a pet goldfish named Madison, (laughs) which was the character in Splash. So again, obsessed. (laughs) Um, But it showed that uh, Penny was talking to Tom, figuring out the the comedy moments, figuring out the the serious moments. And it was really showing this wonderful interaction between the two of them. Um, She had this ability to guide people to crack jokes, but also to get the job done. She had a different style than any other director I had ever seen in a kind of like behind the scenes-ness. Um, so basically when I saw Penny do it, I finally felt like I could do it. 
So that's when I kind of saw Penny for the first time. I felt like there was compassion in a job that doesn't usually have compassion. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Um, So I started working on directing my own stuff, even if I never really showed it to anybody. Um, I also took an improv class because Penny was an actress, Laverne and Shirley. And so I wanted to be able to not be an actor, but to have that same kind of empathy and compassion. So I took an improv class so I could talk to actors from a place of, I know how scary it is. I know how weird it is. I know what I'm asking you to do is hard. You know what I mean? Because I actually did it as well. I also studied the emotion behind a story because Penny really brought out the emotion, especially in League of Their Own. Holy crap. Um, You're laughing one minute, you're crying the next minute. You're like, ah! So how that emotion is kind of brought out in a movie, how humor can lift a scene or how humor can kind of set you off guard. And the next thing you know, you're crying because you know what I mean? Like that that balance, that dance that she has uh, with humor is so good. Um, The other thing that I really saw in A League of Their Own is she let funny people like Tom Hanks allow you to cry your eyes out. She was allowing actors who you know is one thing to be another thing. And I know there's no crying in baseball. Sorry, I have to say it. I have to say it at least once, right? (laughs) Um, But I also saw that um, she had awesome people on A League of Their Own. So it's Madonna, it's Tom Hanks, but it's also Rosie O'Donnell, Gina Davis, Lori Petty. Like I could go on, her brother's in it. Um, But she found their strengths and she let them come out on screen through their characters. So like Madonna got to dance, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like, Madonna is Madonna, but she got to dance in a 1940 style and showcase that. Rosie O'Donnell, comedian, she got to crack jokes, but still be within a baseball motif. Uh, Lori Petty became everybody's little sister. Like I still want Lori Petty to be my little sister. And I know she's much older than me now. (laughs) And then, Gina Davis showed us what strength and leadership looks like. And I think she's like still doing that with the Gina Davis uh, Institute that is amazing. And it really came out in A League of Their Own. So they all played characters, but I think that Penny Marshall really let the actors come through their characters. You know what I'm saying? That that kind of lowering the guard a little bit, you know what I mean? And I think that's what made A League of Their Own a really good film. And I think it also is what made Penny Marshall like a fantastic director and somebody to kind of, you know, emulate and that sort of thing. So I have probably already like got to my usual uh, time limit where we do our like 10 to 20 minutes, but it's killing me that I haven't even like told you like when she was born. And so I kind of feel like I have to just... so yes so this way you know listeners don't feel robbed because I just really kind of scratched the surface so uh Penny was born in the Bronx in New York in 1943 her mother was a tap dancer and her father was a director of industrial films so her father was a director just not in a creative side her birth name is Carol actually um because she is named after Carol Lombard her mother's favorite film actress (laughs) (laughs) her middle name is penny because penny's older sister was saving pennies to buy a horse and (laughs) 
There was no way that family was getting a horse in Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) So Penny was the, I don't know, compensation of, I can't get you a horse, but here's a little sister. (laughs) Not the same. I understand. I understand. (laughs) Um, Now the family was also religious, but get this, not in the way you think. So Gary was an Episcopalian. Penny was confirmed as a congressional church member and her sister Ronnie was a Lutheran. Penny explained it this way, quote, mother sent us to any place that had a dance hall where she could put on a recital. And if she needed a performance space, that's where we went. Otherwise we wouldn't have bothered. (laughs) (laughs) They all had a different religion so they could use the church space. (laughs) Very kind of love it. (laughs) (laughs) So Penny was a tap dancer because her mother was a tap dancer. Um, Penny was also a teacher and a choreographer for a while. She moved to Los Angeles with her brother, Gary, who was writing on this really small show called the Dick Van Dyke show. I don't know if you've heard of it or anything, but that was like Mm -hmm. her brother uh, was working on that. Penny started auditioning on her own and she was in all of her brother's projects. One of them was Happy Days. (laughs) And so she had the the role of Laverne DeFazio on Happy Days, and then that led to Laverne and Shirley. Her directorial debut was Jumpin' Jack Flash with Whoopi Goldberg, which my favorite line, which I just kind of have to say, otherwise you're robbing people of Jumping Jack Flash, which is, I'm a little black woman in a big silver box that says phone on top. You can't miss me. It's because somebody is dragging this phone booth down the street and she's calling for help. (laughs) It's hilarious. So anytime I see a phone booth, I always say. (laughs) Um, Penny also directed Renaissance Man and The Preacher's Wife, which I highly recommend people watch. They're both fantastic movies. She was actually married to Rob Reiner for a decade. I think people forget about this because Rob Reiner was like a massive comedy genius. (coughs) Um, She also, Penny Marshall, dated Art Garfunkel. Here's why I have to bring this up. (laughs) There was a reality TV show that was trying to find the next best filmmaker. And the judges were Penny Marshall and Carrie Fisher. And Carrie Fisher, who I've talked about before, she was married to Paul Simon. Simon Garfunkel. I would love to be a fly on the wall with a TARDIS. And see what these two ladies talked about when they compared Garfunkel and Simon <laughs> in a romantic type situation. <laughs> They've written us a song about it. I, you know what? I don't think a song could really encapsulate it because. <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine Penny Marshall and Carrie Fisher like talking about, oh my God. Yeah. That could be a whole movie or miniseries at all. But anyway. Found it interesting. I had no idea that Penny Marshall had a Garfunkel connection at all. Um, so Penny died in 2018. I am still not over it. She was 75 years old and I'm still like ignoring the fact that we don't have Penny anymore. So I'm going to kind of end and then open it up for any kind of weird questions that I have about Penny Marshall with this. So years ago, I was re-watching A League of Their Own for another podcast that I was on. And we own the Laserdisc because I'm that old. We had it on VHS, (laughs) but we had not bought it on DVD. And so I went to my local library to just kind of borrow it on DVD because I was short on time. So while I'm there, I'm looking through the L's and I'm looking for League of Their Own, League of Their Own. And I'm there with my daughters. 
And all of a sudden, oh, I see Leah, not Leia, which is a film that I produced and wrote. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. There's my movie. That's awesome. League of their own, League of their own, League of their own. Like I, I just, I'm still looking for the actual movie. When suddenly my daughter turns to me and says, um, mom, it's right there next to your movie. I didn't see it. I could not see that a league of their own was sitting right next to a movie that I made. And it was very back to, I didn't see Penny Marshall. I didn't see her name in the credits. I didn't see her as a director until she was right next to me. (laughs) And so it was kind of that very weird thing that Penny and Marshall and I, for a second, we were on the same shelf. Now we weren't in the same universe. We weren't even in the same league. Get it? League of their own. Sorry. League had to do it. But we were on the same shelf and it was a very weird day. And it's just one of the many reasons why I freaking love Penny Marshall so much. So there you go. <laughs> so a little bit longer than I usually do. But any questions about Penny Marshall that I may or may not know? <laughs> I think you'd know them. <laughs> I think it's incredible how you found her at just the right moment when you needed her. Yeah. Like you weren't seeing yourself in any of those other directors you could name or list, even though you admired their work, but seeing her uh, technique and the way she worked and, you know, I'm sure that appealed to you so much more. Mm -hmm. Once I could actually see her, I could really actually pay attention to what I was supposed to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. It's weird the way the universe works. So I encourage people to, you know, let that weirdness happen. <laughs> Have either of you seen A League of Their Own? Please, for the love of oh, Christ. Oh, yeah. Yes. Definitely. Required. Yes. I'm actually probably going to rewatch it again because someone in this household has seen it and it's like, it's fine. <gasps> no, it's not fine. It's fantastic. Because I'm very excited about the... I don't know if it's out or about to come out. It's out. Amazon. Uh, and I'm very excited to watch it. And he's like, it's fine. Yeah. So I have watched the full uh, League of Their Own series. It's seven parts that is on Amazon. I will say it is different than the movie in feel. But if you get to that last episode, it's all worth it. Because you get the feels of, because I was watching going, this is great. This is not a league of their own that I knew. This is different. But then all of a sudden, bam, I'm like, nope, you won me over. Yep, love it. (laughs) So. All day long, I'm like, you know, that lump three feet above your ass, like all the time. Exactly. Yes. Um, And it's the hard that makes it great. Oh, you quit baseball because it got hard. Well, it's the hard that makes it, there's so many great lines besides mm-hmm. there's no crying in baseball, but You're a lump of live. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's like it's, I had seen it growing up, and there's like so much stuff that like you miss as a kid. Oh yeah. Like I didn't know what book she was reading her on the bus. Like I had no idea what was going on there. Madonna was sharing some porn. <laughs> teaching her how to read good (laughs) (laughs) it has so many magical moments in it that are funny that are light and the double entendres there were some double entendres i did not understand Mm. when i was 15 that are like that's good (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. what was it the marla hooch she was known as the ugly one so when they cut to her 
What a hitter. <laughs> Just way back in the background. Yeah, classic. <laughs> yep. I highly recommend uh, both, but anytime somebody can watch a League of Their Own, it's a good time. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Join us next week for another cool woman of history as the Gals Guide podcast continues. Thanks for listening. For show notes, links, and images from this week's show, visit galsguide.org. Want exclusive stuff like deleted bits and major bloopers? Become a Gals Guide patron today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>